अगस्त और दिसंबर के बीच में 216 करोड़ अगर हम इस सीन को लेकर चले डोजेज भारत में निर्मित होंगी दैट ऑडियो इज फ्रॉम अ प्रेस कॉन्फ्रेंस बाय द इंडियन गवर्नमेंट ऑन द ट्वेल्थ ऑफ मे एट द हाइट ऑफ द सेकेंड वेव ऑफ कोविड नाइन्टीन इन इंडिया ड्यूरिंग इट विनोद पॉल द हेड ऑफ द इंडियन कोविड टास्क फोर्स पब्लिकली मेड अ ग्रैंड डेक्लेशन that the center would procure 2.1 billion vaccine doses by the end of december 2021 enough to vaccinate every adult in india now this covid task force put its numbers of different vaccines into a spreadsheet this included the likes of covaxin astrazeneca sputnik v covovax and also bharat biotech's nasal vaccine among a few more a few days after that the ken wrote a piece breaking down the maths behind this declaration it was titled covid task force let's get real on vaccines it's time for plan b and then in just 3 weeks nearly 800 million vaccines that were scheduled to be procured just vanished from the center's estimates and with it the hope of vaccinating all indian adults by the end of the year Now the problem is that this is just the beginning. It's now becoming apparent that even the revised estimate of 1.3 billion doses is quite a stretch. Many vaccines which are still in the pipeline are going through their own problems and it'll need a herculean effort to meet even this conservative target. But what exactly happened? Why did these vaccines go away? Which vaccines are these? and at the end of the day or more like the end of this year is there still a path to vaccinate india Hello and welcome to Unofficial Sources, a business podcast by The Ken. I'm Anushka Chikara and I'm Alana Banerjee and we're your hosts. This episode, we're trying to get to the bottom of what it will take for the government to meet its 1.3 billion vaccine dose mark. Stay tuned. The 2.1 billion dose projection is an estimate made up by looking at a bunch of different factors like production capacity for different vaccines, the trial data which in some cases hasn't even come in yet, the different regulations with these vaccines themselves, some of them foreign, some domestic, some that are licensed. Basically there are lots of moving parts. So when we say that 800 million doses vanished, what we're saying is that some of these assumptions changed because of new knowledge and realities. So let's look at them. The top reasons why this estimate changed. So half of the downward projection in numbers comes from Serum Institute's Covishield and Bharat Biotech's Covaxin. 
Now, because of limited production and manufacturing capacity, Covishield has dropped its estimate from 700 million doses to about 500 million and Covaxin from about 550 million to 400 million. This drop accounts for about 50% of the missing 800 million. But what about the rest? The other 50% drop comes from five other vaccines, three of which were just completely dropped from the center's list of the 2.1 billion vaccines that they were going to get. The ones that are dropped are Bharat Biotech's nasal vaccine, Indian pharma company Genova's mRNA vaccine, and Serum Institute's Covovax vaccine. But just to be clear, while Covaxin and Covishield are important and very important to the vaccine efforts of India, those were never the big bets. It's these other vaccines, other than the two of these, that are crucial in determining whether the Indian adult population gets vaccinated by the end of 2021 or not. And things aren't looking too good. Hey Maitri, thanks for coming in for the podcast. Hey, thanks Anushka for having me. Maitri Purecha is a staff writer here at The Ken. She covers healthcare and she co-wrote these two brilliant stories about the reality of the vaccination drive in India. So I called her in to talk to us about that. So the reason I brought you in here is because we kind of want to get to the bottom of these missing vaccines, right? There are about three to four different vaccines that were originally there in the government's list of different vaccines for the plan and then they just kind of disappeared so i want to go one by one through each of them to get some info from you about what did we know about them that got them into the list in the first place and then what new information led to them just going away so let's start with the first vaccine that got booted off this list that is an mrna vaccine by genova so just to give some context This works at the same principle of, let's say, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, right? Which are considered kind of the best vaccines out there right now. Yeah, exactly. So basically, mRNA um, technology is a very novel one at that. And um, it is safe too. It is a synthetic uh, way of manufacturing vaccines. And um, it, it was said that Genova's technology is a one step ahead of Pfizer and Moderna, Moderna specifically. Okay, so what happened? Genova's mRNA technology sounded pretty promising to us because, uh, you know, it is the third in line after Pfizer and Moderna's mRNA vaccines. We've also got to know lately that Genova is the second in line after BioE to get funding from the government in order to scale up uh, and uh, deliver very, very quickly. However, the commitment of doses, you know, in the first place that the government had put for Genova was pretty understated. Of the entire vaccine basket, the government just has initially committed 60 million doses from Genova. However, even that production scale-up right now looks uncertain because mRNA is a new technology and the company, which is uh, again, an, uh, you know, a Pune-based company that is in India, is not as equipped as say like you know biggies like Pfizer or Moderna to scale the production up in a particularly uh, given stipulated time and therefore even that vaccine was struck off the list eventually. 
Okay, so it had a lot of promise, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. So the next vaccine, which I personally find very interesting, is Bharat Biotech's nasal vaccine. Um, because obviously just, wow, okay, you can administer a vaccine through your nose. And I suppose that would be very helpful for certain use cases like children. But um, this vaccine was another one that just disappeared from the list. So what happened? Right. So, I mean, you know, the nasal vaccine had come into picture and play right when the co-vaccine or, you know, the injectable vaccine, which we now have available, was uh, announced, right? And that was pretty much last year. So, uh, Bharat Biotech was trying two technologies to administer vaccine. One was through the bloodstream and the other one was through the nose. However, they were really not sure of how exactly they wanted to administer it through the nose. So one way of doing it was putting drops in the nose in terms of nasal drops. And very recently, uh, it's interesting that they submitted their data from phase one trials, you know. So the thing with the nasal vaccine is that it has not progressed as quickly as we'd want to. They are still debating what the medium of administration should be. It's unclear. Should it be a drop? Should it be a spray? So, So they are really struggling with, you know, the initial obstacles that come with getting the vaccine out into scientific studies. So it's it's really very premature to comment. I'm no expert, but I kind of understand that phase one trials of any drug is very, very early on into the whole process. Like it can take forever to get to phase three. Mm-hmm. That's totally true. And In order to get to phase two, uh, they would, uh, you know, require more candidates to be enrolled. And phase three would literally be like multiple sites in India with tens of thousands of candidates involved, right? So to enroll those candidates, study them is is going to take a couple of more months, you know, even a year. So the last one, which was removed from the list, which piqued my interest is Serum Institute's Covavax or Novovax. So I remember this drug from a previous episode we did based on Serum Institute and Adar Poonawala. You guys can check it out in the link in the description. But we talked then about how this was a pretty big bet and the government was giving a lot of funding, putting a lot of hope, backing it into this vaccine. So what happened, Maitri, in the past few months and especially in those three weeks that it just isn't an option right now? Right. So, you know, as you have already mentioned that the government's overestimation was completely wild, you know, and we've said this in our story. And that was, you know, back in April when Vinod Paul in his press conference said that, look, you know, we are going to get 200 million doses of Novavax uh, vaccine, which was called Covavax in India, um, into the country. However, what has happened is the company itself has admitted, right? The company is US-based and is tied up with serum in order to make this vaccine available. And um, it has admitted that, you know, the vaccine has been fraught with trial delays. These delays are being caused because of manufacturing delays. And there is a shortage of supply world over. Now, all of that has happened again because, you know, we have created a lot of dependency, you know, for the supply of this one vaccine component that comes from the U.S., and uh, serum has been prevented from independently manufacturing it. There are restrictions on raw material usage, 
export that are in place from us so um, there is a slight foreign play here that has you know kind of delayed novavax's availability quite a bit so i think the question that comes to my mind now after all of this is that each of these vaccines either are delayed because of the trial phase they're in or manufacturing or production capability something or the other but that doesn't seem like information that just suddenly came up in those 3 weeks it seems like these vaccines are not on track to be there for public use anytime soon so my question is why were they in the initial list when in general we all knew it was going to take really long for them to get here you know honestly when that press conference happened in april it surprised all of us quite a bit when we were listening to what vinod paul was saying sitting on that stage you know in delhi and uh, he suddenly increased the estimation and said that you can expect literally over 2 billion doses between august and december when what was realistically available was only 1 billion doses in april after he said this we did a quick calculation on the basis of the company announcements themselves and we had found out that when we kind of made a total of all of this it was just realistically a total of 1 billion doses which means that the government had blown up this entire estimate in order to do perception management and uh, in order to look like you know they will be able to fulfill the demands in order to vaccinate the entire population that they need to also another thing that's very important to understand here is that it was the beginning of the second wave and everyone was so scared there was this fear factor in air they had to uh, soothe the nerves they had to you know relax sentiments of people and uh, i think it was just an ploy to do that okay so we started with 2.1 billion vaccines and for a combination of reasons it's now down to 1.3 billion if the 2.1 billion was an unrealistic number to begin with what about this new estimate what's to say that 1.3 billion is realistic can we even pull it off more on this after the break hey folks i'm tanishka and i'm the subscriber community specialist at the gem what does that mean that means i'm responsible for making sure that your experience with all our products is seamless and worthwhile Like many of my colleagues here, I had been a subscriber of the Ken for a while before I joined. And today, I won't talk to you about what we do at the Ken for you. Instead, I'll tell you what the Ken did for me when I was a subscriber. Apart from the fact that every morning email from the Ken made me feel like the writer had sat down on their desk to pen this down specifically for me, I also loved the fact that reading their stories was slowly giving me context. It helped me prepare better for my job and be school interviews and I was a better contributor to conversations in general. I felt like I had an insight into things and no newspaper had made me feel that way before. If this sounds like something you'd want to experience for yourself, you can just visit the ken/podcast offer and subscribe to us with our special offer for our podcast listeners. You'll also find this link in the show notes. That's it from me today folks.
Whether we like it or not, 1.3 billion doses is what we're working with or really hoping for to stay on track with India's vaccination efforts for COVID-19. But this hope, is it just as unrealistic as the one we had back when we were aiming for 2.1 billion? We had a lot of questions. If the government of India overestimated and missed their earlier number because of a lot of their assumptions that didn't hold true, then would the same thing happen again? The latest estimate provided is 1.3 billion vaccines for India. What's to say? Would this estimate be wrong too? This is a challenging question. It's hard to find someone, anyone, who would know this answer. There are way too many moving parts. Vaccines, virus mutations, production capacity, epidemiology. We needed somebody who understood all of this, how they all work together. It needed to be someone who had decades of expertise and who wasn't afraid to use all their authority, knowledge and experience to tell us what was going to happen. There's only one person in India who fit all of the above. Maybe you've heard of her. Her name is Gagandeep Kang and she's currently a professor at CMC Vellore. I sent her an email, explained what the podcast was about and she agreed to speak to me. I think the 2.1 billion was um, impossible for anybody who uh, understands anything about vaccines. Gagandeep Kang is a fascinating person and someone who all of us should know about, but don't. Professor Kang is India's leading researcher on public health, vaccines and viruses, particularly epidemics. She was at the forefront of epidemics like the Nipah virus and the testing of rotavirus vaccines. Another thing, in 2019, she became the first Indian woman to be elected as a fellow of the Royal Society. By the way, the Royal Society is the oldest scientific institution in the world and has never, not once in its 359-year history, elected an Indian woman on it. Well, not until Professor Khan came along and changed that and broke the doors down. Gagandeep Kang is the voice of vaccines and COVID-19 in India. She's co-authored a book about it. She's the first person anyone calls when they want to understand the expert unvarnished view on vaccines or COVID-19 in India. And so we asked her, would India make 1.3 billion vaccines by the end of the year? Coming down to 1.3 billion, I still think that that is aspirational. I think we are going to wind up with fewer doses than that. And we should be prepared for a continued shortage of vaccines and an inability to vaccinate our entire adult population by December of 2021, as has been stated by the central government. So, Professor, we know that the 1.3 billion number comes from a few vaccines, Covishield and Covaxin, of course, but also Sputnik V, BioE subunit vaccine and the Zydus Kidilla vaccine. Why do you say that even this number with these vaccines won't be possible? So let's kind of go one by one. Let's start with Covishield and Covaxin. So the prediction was for 1.3 billion doses to be made in the last five months of this year. And we are almost there now. 
So if you look at uh, Covishield, where are they now? They are at just over a hundred million, saying about 110 million a month being made. Maybe that increases to 120 million or so that gives us 600 million doses. That's the biggest supply we are going to have. With Covaxin, we've been told that the numbers will increase at a rate that seems almost unimaginable to me. I think we should look back at what uh, Bharat Biotech said would be their real predictions. They were planning to do, you know, just over 100 million a year. And now we are looking at amplifying that several times by having new manufacturing facilities. It's actually not easy to manufacture in a BSL-3 facility. And many of the organizations that have said that they will make additional doses of Covaxin are not ones that have familiarity with making these vaccines at scale. So I think we would be in a reasonable ballpark if we said a maximum of 250 million doses of Covaxin all going well, no delays, no batch failures, being able to inactivate appropriately, uh, I could be wrong. Some of the facilities could do very, very well. But that still gets me up to about 850 million by the end of the year. Okay. And what about Sputnik V? That has a lot of hopes riding on it to be this crucial stopgap in the dose shortage. Sputnik, we know there seem to be some sorts of issues with manufacturing the second dose of the Sputnik vaccine. This is happening in Russia, not just in India. So are we going to have enough vaccine with Sputnik at all? Until they sort out their manufacturing difficulties, I think it's very unlikely that Sputnik will be a major player in the supply chain. Right. Um, what about the other two, the BioE subunit vaccine and Zytus Cadilla? The vaccine that BioE is making, that vaccine has the potential to be made at scale. But at the moment, it's a vaccine that is currently just going into phase three trials and some really rather strange phase three study that looks like an extended immunogenicity without a comparator. I see that as being a vaccine that's going to have trouble with uh, licensure because I'm not sure on what basis they will license that vaccine. The DNA vaccine from Zytus Cadilla, uh, their plan was to do 100 million doses of that vaccine. So even if they try to improve on that, how much more can they improve? If this is a vaccine get, that gets licensed, gets approved, currently they've been making 5 million doses a month. So even if that goes to 10 million, what are you going to wind up with? Another 50-odd million? So I think under a billion doses is a reasonable ballpark for the rest 
of this year. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, based on what has happened so far, I don't think that that will be the case. So 1.3 billion is an unrealistic number, but we can't back down now. We need to vaccinate the entire adult Indian population. But is there still a way to make that happen? There are a few things that could help. One is having only one dose that is more concentrated. Another way is to mix and match your vaccines across doses. And the third way could be importing vaccines from the likes of Pfizer and Moderna. So we went back to Professor Kang and asked her about these. Now, I heard there's this concept of making the first dose really concentrated and that being efficacious. How does that sound as a viable option? A single dose option is one that Johnson is using and the Sputnik light concept that they have is similar to Johnson & Johnson. In India, we have a bit of an advantage, I think, because with 67% of our population already exposed, for 67% of the population, if they get one dose of vaccine, that will, like, in effect, be their second or later than second exposure to the virus, which might lead to very reasonable protection against a fairly wide range of variants. If that's the case, then a single-dose approach would play out. You could also think about doing exactly the same single-dose approach with the Covishield vaccine. Give everybody, as far as possible, at least one dose of vaccine and then give some people in a prioritized order the second dose of vaccine. That may wind up being better for public health than trying to give two doses to all of the population where in some senses the second dose might be a waste at this time. Right. And I'm just wondering, you know, what are the kind of hiccups we might see along the way to actually do something like that? Well, I think it requires a policy that is well thought through as well as a really, really good monitoring system. It would require execution at the kind of level that takes into account each individual that is vaccinated. Our programs don't usually function like that. They are not focused on the individual informing the system. They are very much focused on this is what the system has delivered and figuring out how many individuals have been addressed through that approach is a secondary goal. Right. Okay. So I think another idea that's kind of floating around is this mix and match idea of your two different doses. Maybe you get one of Covaxin, maybe the second of Covishield or in whatever variants. So is that, um, I mean, does it work to me? It sounds like kind of a mix, like copy paste method, but, or jugaad as we say in Hindi, but um, would that realistically work in, you know, protecting people against COVID? Um, It's not actually Jugaad, and I have to say that I'm a proponent of this strategy for investigating the immune system, right? 
trying to figure out what you get the best immune response to so that ultimately you will wind up with a strategy that uses the fewest vaccines and gets you the most protective immune responses side note it's interesting that the professor spoke about waiting for the evidence because in fact just a few days after i had this conversation with her as of last friday 30th july it was announced that trials for testing this mix and match strategy would begin via none other than cmc velour which is where the professor works so this will be a trial with the covaxin and covishield vaccines in a way that's kind of hampered by the fact that we don't actually have a correlate of protection so we are using antibodies immunophenotyping to try and figure out what the response is and what constitutes a really good response challenging but it can be done and as far as mixing and matching strategies are concerned there are obviously the immunological reasons to consider it what really allows you to have the best immune response the longest lasting broadest protection immune response the data that have come out so far seem to indicate that if you've taken one dose of astrazeneca and then taken a dose of pfizer you actually wind up closer to two doses of pfizer then you do to two doses of astrazeneca you make much more in terms of antibodies including neutralizing antibodies so that's very valuable information but because we have so many different vaccines in the market how do you rank order which vaccine to use or which combination of vaccines to use you have to do all the vaccines in the same kind of population to be able to understand that and currently the situation we are in no country has all vaccines licensed and is planning to do this study so from the immune response perspective if you have global studies that look at mix and match strategies around the world at least we will wind up with some information on which combinations work better than others the second is programmatic issues as you know the programs have been running out of vaccines there's no supply of covishield there's no supply of covaxin people run from pillar to post and worry about you know i didn't get my dose on time what does this mean for me if you had the ability to give any vaccine that was available and that was uh, a strategy that was backed by evidence that would be good for the program too so it also in a way creates competition among vaccine manufacturers because uh, they know that they are not assured of only their vaccine being administered to people so i think mix and match is something that is worth exploring have we gotten to the last word on that no not yet Okay um and this might be a more selfish tangent to that so i got the astrazeneca vaccine a while back and there is some doubts now whether the second dose will be available to me or not so what would you say to me just saying okay screw it let me try getting whatever other vaccine i can for my second dose 
You could potentially do that, but I'd say wait for the evidence to see which combination works best for you. And this will be important for boosters as well, right? So I think the last strategy is, of course, um, getting imports of these global vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna. Now, I think, of course, it would be great if we get it. But I just want to explore with you what does the probability of that look like by the end of this year, actually getting those doses and having it available to the public? I think we'll get donated doses. We'll get them through the COVAX facility. We'll get them through the donations that the U.S. is making. CIPLA is already figuring out how to get those donated doses. But in terms of actual purchase agreements that will result in vaccine being delivered to India by the end of this year, I think that is unlikely. Their order books are pretty booked up for this year. There may be a few doses here and there, but not sufficient to make a difference to India's population. But we should be booking for doses that might come in 2022. Those companies have been able to quite significantly ramp up their production capacity. So the number of doses that are becoming available at later time points are increasing. Right. And with these donations, like what kind of numbers are we sort of anticipating? So I wouldn't think that it would be more than tens of millions. Okay. So low tens of millions, I think, would be a reasonable estimate given what's happening around the world. Okay. And what what scale of impact does tens of millions have or what is the, I'm just trying to understand what is the kind of logic with which this is happening, given that it's just a drop in the ocean for our population. Something is better than nothing. Fair enough. And if you look at 10 million, that's like, you know, uh, two and a half days of immunization in India. Right. So we have a long way to go. Okay. But I think that's fair enough. Something is better than nothing. Now, there is going to be a third wave of COVID in India, a fourth, fifth, and many subsequent waves. That's not something that we can control. But to limit how lethal these waves are going to be, we have to vaccinate the Indian adult population of India and vaccinate them fast. To give you an idea of just how terrible this could be, in the US, Dr. Fauci stated that over 99% of COVID deaths in America in the past few months have been in unvaccinated people. Taking that implication and applying it to the huge population of our country, it doesn't look good. Unfortunately, at this point, the probability of vaccinating the entire adult population by the end of 2021 looks pretty bleak. But we're at this point where we don't have an option. We need to vaccinate as many people as we can by doing anything and everything we can. And that's it for this episode of Unofficial Sources. 
just to be clear i am not going to get a second dose of covaxin professor gagandeep kang definitely put me off that but also covaxin isn't recognized as legit in most countries so but anyways we'd love to hear what you think about this episode you can always share your feedback with us you can tweet us at thekenweb or email us on podcast at the-ken.com all information will be left in the show notes and well that's it we'll see you next time next fortnight on unofficial sources by the ken